Is my chair really loud? <laughs> I, I'm squeaking over here. It's okay. Hey, I'm squeaking over here. People will just know that I desperately need to buy a new chair, but I keep putting it off because expensive office chairs scare me. I stole this chair from my school. I stole this chair from Arthur. What's that? I stole it from you. Are you really quiet or? <laughs> yeah, Mike has this thing where he leans away from the microphone. Uh, now that would make a great opening. Yes. <laughs> you did it, Mike. One of these has to make it in, right? Oh, no. I knew this day would come. Arthur ate Mike. It's another episode of Full Metal Analyst. What was that? Yes. Yes. I don't understand that Wait, one. Wait, was that from Avatar The Last Airbender? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to our show where free riders analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And with us today, we have an artist who recently published a 75-page book of Full Metal Alchemist fan art. Please welcome to the show, Alexia Kotanian. There we go. Got it right on the first try. Yeah, hey, yeah, you did. That's the beauty of podcasting, baby. Nobody <laughs> will know. I. <laughs> welcome to the show, Alexia. Thank you. I'm uh, I'm excited. I. I like Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> yes, that is actually not a requirement to be on this show, as it turns out. <laughs> Hold on a second, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's stirring the pot. Listen, if you don't like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, you can leave. <laughs> <laughs> the door is right there. It's very large, and somebody called The Truth is sitting in front of it. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well said. I'm pretty sure if I went up to the truth and I said, I don't like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, it would just go, understood, please come right. <laughs> you would say, understood, have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> so Alexia, let's start things off by asking the question we always ask whenever you have a brand new guest, which is, how did you get started with Full Metal Alchemist? Okay, so I have an older brother, and when you're a preteen, everything your older brother does is like the coolest thing ever. So my older brother got into Full Metal Alchemist, and I was like... 10 or 11 at the time i was pretty young and like we were at my grandma's house one day and he was like you should watch the show with me and i was like okay like i have such a clear memory of watching those first episodes and like leor and this is a 2003 version because brotherhood hadn't come out yet i started watching it with him and it just became a thing where i was like i immediately had a crush on ed and i i was like familiar with anime it wasn't my first anime but i like wasn't interested in it because it was like super shonen and I was busy watching like Tokyo Mew Mew and stuff. <laughs> but I, I just got into it because I was watching it with my brother and then it just totally turned into my own thing where I, I mean, I I don't even know if I ever finished the 2003 anime because it was so long ago. But like, yeah, I mean, Brotherhood came out and in my very childlike and art oriented brain, I went, I don't like the art style of Brotherhood, so I'm not going to watch it, mm -hmm. which is what carried me for like years and years and years of just like, Everyone talks about Brotherhood. I haven't seen it. I you guess I'll get there eventually. Inside of you. <laughs> I had a deep bitterness. I was like, my kid boyfriend, Edward Elric, doesn't look as cute as he did, so I'm not going to watch it. That is tough. <laughs> that it is was tough. tough. It was hard. But at some point when I was in college, which was like four years ago, I was like, okay, you know what? I'll just watch Brotherhood. It's time. Watched Brotherhood and went, oh my god, not only am I in love with Edward, but I'm in love with his father, Hohenheim, too. <laughs> the Hohenheim, I very much, you know, I'm a straight guy, just so you know, full disclosure, but like with a few beers, I don't we know. We could tell. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good episode. It got a lot of uh, Hohenheim action. You know who agrees with you? Sadiq Yusuf. 
Hohenheim is his favorite character in FMA because of what happens this episode. Yeah, he is such a homie. He is such a good person. <laughs> but I mean, him and Ed, those are my boys right there. Not to leave out Al, but Al is like my sweet baby boy. And then I'm <laughs> in love with his brother and dad. And that's just life sometimes. It is. Yeah, good episode. I'll let someone else... I mean, yeah, let's do, let's do this thing. Sorry. Well, let's do the recap, right? We got to do the recap. Yes, but before we do that, let's just talk really quickly about this week's episode, Return of the Theater. It was directed by Toro Ishida, who directed six episodes total, including Filial Affection, Conflict at Bascule, and one more after this. It was written by Hiroshi Onogi, head writer of the show, and responsible for 24 total episodes. And now it's time, as Arthur said... For our improvised recap, it's the moment in the podcast where one of us would do a 21-second improvised recap of this week's episode, and that person will be chosen based on the roll of a dice. If he lands on one, it's me. If he lands on two, it's Arthur. If he lands on three, it's Mike. If he lands on four, it's our guest, Alexia. So let's roll the dice. One. Ah, shit. <laughs> oh, nice. Three, two, one, go. Hanaheim and father have a conversation. The fear arrives. Greed arrives. They fight. Buccaneer almost dies. Fu arrives. They are about to fight again. Oh, <laughs> uh, you did it. Thank you. <laughs> I am a Zan master. And did you cover the, the tank on a incline oh my God. fight with uh, the Fuhrer? The tank doing glitchy game physics? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that about that ramp in Central Command a lot. Oh, right, it's a lot of. A, I I swear to God, when ramp. I showed up, I was like, "Was that beer before?" <laughs> because it's I was just generally... like such architectural choice yeah. that was made. <laughs> it's weird having like the escalator at Universal Studios going up into the Central Command. Oh my Absolutely. God, the stairway! The stairway. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's exactly it. It was so much fun to see the tank go backwards into the thing and <laughs> run away. It was hilarious and I loved it. Contrary to what Mike would say, I actually like this episode. Oh. I'm on a similar boat as you, Alexa, where this is my first time watching From Alchemist after like a Brotherhood. Minute. Yeah, I feel like six, five years. Wow. And yeah. I, I've grown since then and I'm finding that this final part isn't really to my liking and I have a lot of problems with the plot and Roy. Right, right, right. But. I've come to a realization and like a transformation ever since our past episode. And I know exactly what you guys are expecting. You're expecting me to go on some rant about how this part of the show sucks or something like that. But I'm not gonna do that. I've changed. How so? Because I don't care. I definitely don't care. I have <laughs> given up so I no longer care. <laughs> And it feels great to no longer care to just turn off my brain and enjoy the flashing images. And I totally don't bite down all the problems I have with the show and cry to myself in the shower every morning and every night as I compromise my principles for measly engagement. <laughs> I don't do all that. Nope, I don't do any of that list. Because I said, I don't care. I definitely don't care. Here's a list of things that I don't really care. Greedling. Roy. The fact this bloodless goop killed hundreds of soldiers. Um, let me think. Roy again. I don't care. I definitely don't care. None of you can say that I still care. I don't care. I definitely don't care. I'm so happy now because I don't care. Yay! 
what are the stages of grief again? Um, anger, <laughs> denial. Anger, denial, bargaining is one of them. I don't know at what point you get to there, but bargaining. Listen, yet another musical piece I had nothing to do with. I am nothing but insulted by this. <laughs> he hears me sing in the shower. He knows what he's passing up. I think I'm picking up what you're putting down because for me, the thing about brotherhood that is the only thing that isn't my favorite is how like the pacing of the show is kind of odd. Like the first half of the show is kind of set up in like this monster of the week thing where it's like every single like the story is building on itself, but it's like every one or two episodes Ed and Al are doing something. They're going somewhere new. They're fighting a new... Like, it's very small story arcs. Mm -hmm. And then you get to Briggs, which is, like, a little bit bigger. And then you kind of get to, like, the promise date immediately that lasts many, 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 many episodes. <laughs> I mean, like, right now we're already on, like, probably episode eight of, like, the same single day, which is, like, fine because there's a lot happening. And, like, in one way it's a pro because you get to see, like, literally every single thing that's happening but it's also a con because it's been like three episodes and I'm like, where is Roy? What's he up to? Like, what's this guy up to? Right. People disappear. People are fragmented in little groups. Like I was like, where is Al? You would think if as like, Al, Al absolutely disappears from this. Al class. absolutely disappears. And it's kind of a bummer. Cause I'm like, is this not his story? But like, as much as I love all the characters of FMA, I'm like, we're in episode 56 and it feels like I can count the amount of times Riza has done something on screen on one hand. And it's kind of a bummer, but it's also kind of impressive because she feels like a very well-rounded character. But I'm also like, I feel like there was more of you, but maybe that was just me building it up in my mind because I love you. Yeah, it is kind of, there's so many wonderful characters in FMA and there's so many moving parts, which is like, a testament to like how well it's written but everything happens so yeah, much I think we, we've talked about it it's it's a different show later on mm -hmm. i've adjusted the way i watch the show and it's especially different watching it week to week instead of binging it like yeah watching this like hyper where like time is like super dilated watching this part week to week is way different than watching those earlier episodes week to week because you're like well, like one thing kind of happened. Albeit being a super fan, I'm also very, very, very bad at reading ever. So I've never actually read the manga past like volume six. Um, I've tried many times, but I just fall off the reading horse. But I like one thing like I really like so about this episode is how we get- horse. No, come on. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's my problem is I'm trying to read on a horse. Yeah, it's actually easier not to. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really, I really like how we got to see like Greed and Ling like interact and like work together. Mm -hmm. There's like little moments of like, wow, that's so wonderful. It's. I know we said we have to talk about Honohai because that is a great moment and we do have to talk about it. But, but we I need to talk about Greed. Oh my God. Greed appears in this episode. I have never like actually seen Game of Thrones, but I remember that I watched one episode of the one episode of the finale season. This is gonna be ridiculous. The one with the big fight with the night guy, night king or whatever. Now you're just bothering me. And I remember watching the one of the behind the scenes, and one of the writers was like, We had this one character kill the night king because no one had been thinking of her for a while. This is exactly what it felt like to me. It felt like <laughs> Yeah, well, those interviews with the writers were like, at this point, we're pretty confident. The oh, audience God. has forgotten about this character, which is precisely why we brought them back. That was the most blatantly terrible thing you could have said about why you chose to do that. It's so crazy. Even though I want to yeah. say like the Greedling relationship between Ling and Greed has been winning me over 
over time. Yeah, I, th- I think it's cool as it, as it goes on. I went through the same thing when I when I first watched Brotherhood. I was like, who the hell is this schmuck? And, yeah. then, <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, hi, I'm Greed now. I was like, this just sounds like a lot of chaos. But then by the time, it's like, there's something about the trope of like monster dude and like i just love them working together i think it's fun i wish we saw more of it but again it is the thing of like he appears for the first time in 20 episodes and i'm like babe where have you been yeah like what have you been up to he left the pride fight before everyone and he got there after everyone so you're like what did you do did you stop for mcdonald's on the way there greed has to stop at every mcdonald's he wants it all (laughs) big macs Quarter pounders, double quarter pounders, McRibs. <laughs> he wants the finer things in life, the extra large fries. Yeah, all of it. I was rewatching the episode at work today. Like, I just had it open on my computer screen and I was listening to it mostly. And I do really like how when Greed arrives and Bradley's like, oh, you stinker, what are you doing here? I thought you don't like the humans or whatever he says. And then Greed Link says, like, I've always liked the underdog. I really like. It's I don't cool. Know. I it's just, cool. It it's, is it's, cool. It's nice. It's like good for him. <laughs> like you know what? Good for him. <laughs> like, you know, shockingly, it is more motivated in character and interesting than the uh, Arya Night King scene because oh, it is. It is. because this is a rematch. You know what I mean? Like right. this actually matters to him. Like he right. killed him last time. He captured and killed his friends last time. You know? Yeah. So it's like yeah. this is a vengeance match. It it does actually track uh, on a lot of levels, and it really worked for me actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's it was cool. Enough of the uh, criticizing. I want to talk about my number one homeboy. Oh, uh, I think my... it was so fucking cool that that Hohenheim's secret weapon wasn't like eleven hour power up. It was just <laughs> like I talked to the fucking souls inside me, and yeah, that's it. it's so great. It goes that it's goes so back great. to what we were talking about at the very beginning when we first started watching this show, where mm-hmm. the stakes of the characters a lot of the time are if they can keep their humanity in the face of right crazy evil inhumanity stuff and reducing humans to mere fuel and stuff like that right it's dehumanizing and so you have a character who gets the upper hand rehumanize precisely yeah for rehumanizing these things that we've been set up to believe only from the villain's mouths that these are firewood but they're not they're the real people this is something we talked about arthur i didn't we talk about like how we thought that if the souls like this is something we wanted them to explore like if the souls could willingly give themselves to a task does that mm-hmm. remove the uh you know the, the badness right. it's the veal paradox. <laughs> oh my god not again well it's not quite <laughs> no, the veal it's more or less it's if the veal served itself to you and said it, no, eat we, me we, so we, that you will not die <laughs> please stop talking about the we veal can, <laughs> we can hang up the veal jersey we don't have yeah. to talk okay, about no, forget veal about anymore, the veal but that actually is a terrible metaphor the what i yeah, mean is, is like, this was great this was yeah. awesome and i loved it no it's like i love one of my favorite things like about him is like how when you first meet hohenheim he's kind of like portrayed as being the exact opposite of who he actually is like he seems so like cold and distant but i like when you get to actually know him you realize how engaged he is with his own like humanity like he's in touch with how he's feeling all the time and i love that he uses that like to his advantage against this guy father if you will whose whole thing is to be as unhuman and as unattached and that makes him better but then hohenheim's whole thing is like 
I refuse to be detached. I, like, refuse to, like, treat the people in my Philosopher's Stone body as not people. And I'm like, yes, because get it. I feel like he understands alchemy on, like, small things matter. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. And it's, like, the whole thing of, like, I feel like with Father, his whole thing is, like, he interprets all is one, one is all as, like, I am one being, which means I am all things. Right. So I'm, like, the most important thing. And Hohenheim's kind of the opposite, where he interprets it as, like, I am one part of, like, everything. Right. Which exists inside of him. Like, literally, like, 500,000 people. That's, it's like, like, a lot of people. It's, like, seeing it with humility, right? You know? like Right. Father is, like, made of Hohenheim's blood and whatever. And, like, for each seven deadly sin, there's, like, a counterpart of, like, pride and humility. And, like, Hohenheim has a lot of humility. Like, I feel like the counter of each of the seven deadly sins kind of, like, he portrays it. Like, he's a total pacifist. He's very humble. Big fan. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll stop gushing about him. But it's very interesting how, like, I like the thing about him is whenever I talk about Hohenheim, people are always like, well, he's a bad dad. And I'm like, at the end of the day, are we not just all bad dads trying their best? <laughs> like, yeah. you know. Guess is not a bad dad. <laughs> <laughs> Hohenheim doesn't tell Ed what his plan is. Exactly, Which yeah. he could have. He could have at any point, but he doesn't. But I feel like right now the show is doing that as a way of pointing out that, like, Hohenheim is still just a guy despite being immortal and extremely powerful. I feel like on paper, Hohenheim seems like the most OP, like, person thing literally ever. But then when you see him in the anime, he's literally just a guy. Like, sometimes, like, like in his fight with Father, for example, he's, like, shocked and taken aback and is like, how are you able to blah, blah, blah. Like, there's still things that surprise him. He's still learning things just because he has all the power in the world doesn't mean that, like, he knows how to use it. Because he's truly just a guy. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. he's very smart and he knows a lot of things, but he totally makes mistakes. And I think it's really interesting as a viewer to have a character that's like an all-powerful being that's just a guy. There's this scene at the end of, uh, I think it's episode two, season six of Community, where one of the characters is complaining about their parents and the other character is like... You know, one of the most unfair lessons we're forced to learn is that our parents are human beings. We want to think of them as gods or demons because then that would make us heroes. But, ugh, give me a break. We all suck. It's so true. (laughs) That's kind of the theme of the episode, Evolution, because even in the little moments like when Fallman stops crying to do something (laughs) well that is like an emotional moment but there's something you said early on in this episode you said you don't really get father's motivation and i think father is a lot like david s pumpkins where it's like (laughs) who are you i'm father what are you doing father my old thing the homunculi part of it (laughs) (laughs) yeah but like I listened to the episode you guys realized, I mean, Bored from the Flask, where it's like, is the homunculus God? Like, what is he? Like, in order to know his motivation, we kind of have to know what he is. And we just kind of don't know what he is or where he came from. But, like, it seems like his goal is to just evolve, to get bigger. (laughs) But why does he have to be so evil about it? (laughs) Right. But he doesn't have human motivations. Maybe that is part of the answer is that he, maybe that's a bullshit answer, but also it's, it works for me. He doesn't have a human motivation. Right. It works for me too. It Earlier on, I think I said, I think I was disappointing. I have since come around on that. I actually do think that it's okay that the central villain father, you know, 
isn't right. doesn't have a identifiable character motivation in in a way like it's kind of cool that he doesn't i said what i said and now i'm recanting it because i guess we can't really judge him by our human moral standards because well, he's just now bad. we get into the like narratively it's just speaking Hold on. like sometimes it's okay to have a character that's just bad the thing about parsing father's moral philosophy it would be stupid if the entire show was not interested in that but clearly the show is interested in doing that for the homunculi right even if he was human, like, what is a human with all the sins removed? Pop quiz, you all have to guess how many souls Hohenheim has inside him and befriended. 576,000. 270,000. Well, you said 576, so I'm just going to go with that and say 576,246. Okay. Alexia wins. Yay! 636,329. <laughs> wow, wow true hohenheim fans only <laughs> michelle is close <laughs> yeah i like how he says like a little thing about each one and flipo who tried to sell me her homemade kombucha yeah <laughs> and mimu who always wanted to ride a wild boar and i did it not only did he befriend and talk to every single one of those 636,329 souls he actually did things in his life that they, that they wanted enjoy. to do right like yeah. one of them like wanted to be a scholar and so he ended up becoming like very well read and studied and like Guys, this is what i'm saying he's such a good person it's too, it's too bad not one of them wanted to be a responsible father because he had basically the length of all of their lifetimes combined to live right he tried to live for each and every one of them Oh, that's right. pretty cool. That's pretty like, cool. Like, it wasn't just like you talked to them. If I was cursed with immortality, I don't even think I would have, like, the emotional strength and resilience to even consider that. But, like, <laughs> he's out there. He's... Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, it is I'm very sweet. Of, there's, like, this Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy bit about this guy who's immortal. Like, people who are born immortal know how to deal with it, but people who become mortal are <laughs> so bored. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> He spends his entire life insulting everyone in the universe personally <laughs> in alphabetical order. <laughs> um, my final note is King Bradley's scary, and I don't want to hang out with him ever. He's not getting invited to the cookout. Don't worry. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> Bradley isn't real. Yeah. Bradley isn't real, and he can't hurt you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. King Bradley isn't real. King Bradley isn't real. There's something about this episode that's really disturbing to me, which is where you kind of see how there's just soldiers who are just getting murdered in the middle of this chaos like when they're in the universal studios escalator they're just getting shot at and there's just people dying and it's like for what like all these young men i'm like sorry guys you picked the wrong day to come to work <laughs> that struck me too it was pretty brutal they're all getting mowed down yeah the body count is uh this is the most we've ever seen high. this is the most i think yeah, we've ever seen absolutely i also felt bad absolutely. for those guys they're like we have to hold the line no matter what and then they just all died yeah and then they just die it's just like you gotta think about those guys like what are they dying for they don't even know the thing that's so crazy about this too is like i love seeing the citizens being like is there a coup happening i think mustang and blah 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 and i'm like oh honey it's a lot worse than you could ever imagine <laughs> like yeah i want to thank you two so much because i thought i didn't care anymore i did a whole song about it but you two have unlocked <laughs> you have unlocked my final form hey mike what Remember all the times you said this was a bloodless coup? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I do feel a little silly. 
<laughs> and there we have it. I'm going to be the bigger man, and I'm going to take this moment. I'm going to ask for a second you know, of silence. The fact that you're saying that at all makes it not true. <laughs> a second of silence, please. Okay, that was one second. Mike. Yes. It's time for you to shed your skin oh. and to use it as a bat as you go off into the field for Mikey at the bat. Yeah. Fight a nickel. This is the moment in the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens in next week's episode based only on the title and the thumbnail. Mike, please describe to us the thumbnail for next week's episode, Eternal Leave. Woo! Let's look at it. Okay, it's Ed looking very purposefully forward. Next to him is Hawkeye, I think, with blood on her shoulder. That is it. They're in the sewers. He's wearing red. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? Oh, right. Eternal leave. Eternal leave. Eternal leave. I think they're going to kill the Fuhrer. They're going to put him on eternal leave, and they're going to make that a pun. <laughs> now that Mike has made this prediction, it's time for us to get this episode on a scale from one to five stars. I'm going to head and give this. It's been a while. I'm finally doing it. Here it goes. 4.5. I was going to give it a five, but I thought about it and I changed my mind. So 4.5. Hmm. You know, I think I'm going to give it a five because it was so action packed and it's such cool moments. Like there's nothing to grade episodes on in this later section other than how cool the moments are within them, because they're not like whole like episodic stories anymore. So five stars. Well said, Arthur. I completely agree with that. I'm going to say five stars solidly. I'm going to go ahead and give this episode a four, a very loving four for Hohenheim and Greedling, two of my homeboys who did great work out there today. Good job, boys. Oh, great. Very nice. And now we've reached the end of the podcast, which means it's time for me to thank our guests for coming. Thank you so much for coming, Alexia. It was a pleasure to have you here. You were a delight. Thanks. Um, I had a good time. Where can people find you and your 75 page from the Alchemist <laughs> fan art book? Okay, so I'm mostly active on Twitter. Handle is just my first name, last name, Alexia, A-L-E-X-I-A, Kodanian, K-H-O-D-A-N-I-A-N. It's all one word. That's my Twitter. It'll link you to my Etsy. Or if you want to go straight on Etsy, it's just Alexia Kodanian. Art, first name, last name, spelled the same way. And then art. Those are my only two real things to plug right now. I'm not drawing a lot of uh, Full Metal Alchemist art because, as has been mentioned, I've drawn a lot of it in the past. Yeah, I uh, had an art book come out of... Uh, it was basically just a compilation of all the FMA art I made those years in college. And it's a really nice book, if I do say so myself. There's full illustrated pieces in there. There's doodles. There's breakdown progress shots of certain pieces. There's little comics. It's a good time. It's on my Etsy, and uh, I do ship internationally. If you're not in the U.S., go check it out. And in fact, if you're interested in that book, check out our Twitter, because this week we're going to be running a raffle. This week, as in the week this comes out for regular listeners, not Patreon listeners. Sorry, Patreon listeners. That's next week for you. And before you go, Alexia, could you please... Wait, before you go, I have a question for you. I know you have to go, but how much would you need to draw Father as David as Pumpkin? <laughs> Maybe a price. I'll do it. <laughs> I don't know who David S. Pumpkins is, but I think I'm going to find out. Oh, okay. my God. That's... Oh, my God. I can't wait for that. Michelle's doing you a favor because you're going to look up David S. Pumpkins and and you're going to have yeah, a good time. Yeah, it just pays for itself at this point. <laughs> David S. Pumpkins. It's an SNL sketch. Yeah. Oh. Before you go, would you please give us your best Full Metal Alchemist just like the interstitials? Oh, yes, yes. 
Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> Amazing. Beautiful. And if you don't want to shed your skin and become an oily eye and teeth person, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's twitter.com slash FM, the word analysts. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out on fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. We'd also like to thank Camilla Franklin for doing our podcast art. You can check out more of her work by following her on Instagram at Camillostrator. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you'll receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right, you can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash fmanalysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.